Late last week, there was backlash over BC's decision to not support a 2030 Olympic bid, with host nations saying the move is a blow to reconciliation efforts. The four First Nations, the Lilwat, Musqueam, Squamish and tsleil that drove the unique bid, unique bid said there were extraordinarily, they were extraordinarily disappointed and said they were cut out of, out of any dialogue about the idea when it comes to uh, talking with the government. Now, critics, however, remind British Columbians there are over 200 First Nations communities in our province and that the vast majority of them are not involved with that specific bid. They also say that those nations are also not as affluent as the lower mainland nations like Musqueam, Squamish and tsleil and that spending uh, billions of dollars that only benefit four nations is not the direction to go when it comes to reconciliation. Joining me now to discuss last week's decision is Dallas Smith, President of the Nanwakalis Coast Council, which advises six First Nations communities on Vancouver Island. Mr. Smith lives in Duncan. Dallas, thank you for joining us today. You bet, thank you. Your thoughts on uh, the announcement last week by uh, the BC government that it uh, will not be moving forward in regards to funding uh, uh, this 2030 Winter Olympics. What did you think of it? It was a little bit double-edged for me. I I always love the opportunity for First Nations communities to advance just where first, you know, where we are in the in the big picture of things, and I think the Olympics is a wonderful opportunity, as was done in 2010. But I definitely have some concerns around reconciliation and the success of it being tied to um, something that's controlled by the International Olympic Committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those specifically, it's the you just don't think that the, we should be involved with the IOC and, and the issue of reconciliation should be tied with the Olympic movement. Well, no, I, I I don't think so. I think reconciliation has to be about the partners who who are involved in it, and that's the federal, provincial government, and First Nations communities. And um, I'd hate to see a beautiful bid package get put together, and you know, 1.3 billion dollars worth of reconciliation sort of earmarked funds to be turned down. Um, and then you wonder where does that leave the other 202 First Nations in British Columbia who are working towards reconciliation and the same values that, that the four host nations are, are working towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think there are better ways in regards to spending those dollars, uh, as you say, with the 200 plus other First Nations? This particular bid um, in, involved the Musqueam, uh, the Lilwat, the tsleil uh, and the Musqueam, uh, the four uh, bid nations here. Uh, do you think there are better ways to to be spending that dollar, those dollars, in your mind, in regards to reconciliation? Oh, I think so. If it's going to be earmarked as reconciliation and be kind of a litmus test for reconciliation, there has to be more deliverables that spread out to the rest of First Nations communities. Um, with that said, you know, I, I've worked very closely with great leaders from the Squamish and Musqueam for years and, you know, really enjoyed how they put our people out in the forefront during the 2010 Olympics. But like I said, tying it to reconciliation is a bit of a challenge for me because I know firsthand how much work other communities are putting into it and how reconciliation really needs to be about community development as opposed to kind of an urban-centric development. Mm -hmm. But with that said, I wish MST would take back Stanley Park so everybody (laughs) else would quit fighting over it and they could decide how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) What are the needs in... um non for non-urban first nations i mean we spend so much time talking about first nations and uh, and Van, metro vancouver uh, but you step away from this little corner of british columbia you got a huge landmass 200 other uh, first nations communities 200 plus uh, what are some of the challenges before them well i think just 
trying to bring up the quality of life in First Nations communities. You know, access to credit really hides the true condition in most First Nations communities. And so anything we can grow, anything we can do to grow sustainable economic development needs to be looked at. And it was kind of, kind of gave me a chuckle when I saw that the um, Pacific Caucus of the federal liberals weighed in on that and kind of kicked the province around. And, um, you know, having any partisan party kind of pick and choose what is reconciliation from an outside view like that is just scary and it's not really in the right direction of, of where we need to be going. Mm-hmm. What does recon- reconciliation mean for you in your community um, when you're based on Vancouver Island, far, far away from Metro Vancouver? What would that mean for you and and, and um, your fellow members of your First Nations community? What does it look like, First Na- uh, reconciliation? Well, there's a whole lot of work going down on the cultural and social side of it, which I'm happy to see is evolving. Obviously, it still has a real long way to go because of some of the horror stories we keep hearing, backed up by Kenwood's Indian Residential School and all those sorts of things. So there's a lot of healing that needs to be done. But for a generic term, that would be understandable is having First Nations communities living at or equal to um, you know, the human well-being level for, for the rest that Canadians enjoy. Um, do you think most First Nations outside of uh, the urban area of Metro Vancouver support the decision made by the provincial government in not moving forward with this bid? Oh, I think you'll hear support from other communities for where Musqueam, Squamish, Salatouf, and Lillewat want to go um, with regards to future participation in bids. But I think, um, you know, most of the First Nations outside of the lower mainland area understand the challenges in front of them and probably agree that, you know, spending $1.3 million earmarked for sort of reconciliation, earmarking it as reconciliation probably isn't a great, great way, great set of policy to to go forward with. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 years from now, uh, in reconciliation is a tough one to define. 10 years from now, where do you hope this province is at when it comes to the broader conversation about working together and reconciliation? Where do you, where do you want to see this province? I think continued work through self-determination. I think, you know, whatever forms reconciliation negotiations are taking it taking place in, whether it be the treaty process or through actual reconciliation agreements, that First Nations community start to declare what that is and what it means to them. For too long, I think that's one of the challenges of the reconciliation is everybody's just sort of swinging in the air at it and saying, if it's colonialism, you know, we need reconciliation to beat it. And I think there needs to be a lot more focus on what's working and where are those results being achieved so how we can, you know, invest in what's working and learn to you know, no one wants to see a cookie cutter, cookie cutter approach, but it's only plagiarism in college. So if we can take things that are working in some parts of the province and maybe apply them in other parts um, with the comfort level of, of said community, I think we can get a little bit farther. Mm-hmm. Well, Dallas, uh, absolute pleasure talking with you. Look forward to having you on the show again. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Jazz. Anytime.